Hello and welcome to Head Mounted Destinations, a podcast about VR and VR game development. We provide our perspective as developers and give you, the listener, a sneak peek behind the curtain as to how VR games are made. I'm your friendly neighborhood host and level designer Carlos, and with me as always... Hello, I'm Matt. I'm a gameplay programmer. So over the past week and a half, I have played The Room VR. This is a game that Matt has been recommending to me for a while. Uh, I am familiar with The Room series in that it is a series of mobile games that eventually came to PC that were centered around puzzle boxes. Every level is like this very intricate puzzle box that you have to sort of feel around, pull at different tabs, flip switches in order to unlock like new compartments of the box or some new dongle for you to interact with uh, until you get to the center of the box or whatever the doohickey is and you get like a, a thing. Um, I think I've only played before playing this in VR. I think I've only played this on my phone. Like I think I bought the room uh, one on mobile and I enjoyed my time with it. I don't know why I didn't really stick with the series, but playing The Room VR, like, I got a lot more than I was expecting, and I'm very happy with that. Also, like, I just, I went into this game completely blind, basically. So I didn't really know what to expect, and then I sort of started getting this, like, Sherlock Holmes vibe, but then also there's, like, a bit of a Lovecraftian sort of vibe to it, and then on the mechanic level... It was just like a bunch of these cool interactions that we'll we'll go into in a in a bit. But like when I loaded up the room VR, when I bought it and was like, okay, I'm gonna try this out, I wholly expected basically the mobile version, but like in VR. I expected to be uh. I expected to be stuck in one room with one puzzle box, and I'm feeling around for this puzzle box, and I'm trying to make sure this one puzzle box like unlocks in a certain way. And the game, thankfully like expands upon that concept in a really cool way that I think fits VR very well. And it goes, it, it to some extent still keeps you in one room, you know, but it, it definitely, you know, it one ups the idea of like, this is just a puzzle box game. But so like, I, I wanted to know what, what did you know about the room VR, maybe the room series itself? Like what were your expectations going into the room VR? I'd played the room games on mobile. And so, yeah, I guess I sort of expected it to be about manipulating things. But I was really just curious how they would take that to VR. Because, yeah, you're right. There's a couple of directions you could go when you're trying to translate that concept. Um, I knew it went through a couple of different environments. Someone had mentioned that to me. Um, but, yeah, I didn't really know anything too detailed going in. The sort of supernatural Lovecraftian aspect that you called out makes a lot of sense because there is that sort of theme running through the narrative in the mobile games, the sort of like alchemy, magic, research, occult stuff. Right. And at least in the room VR, the way it presented this was like through these like astral projection, almost cut scenes. And also you would get these like pieces of paper that were written in like, you know, old timey Sherlock Holmes type quill writing where it's like, oh, I've I've been searching through the Amazon desert for this weird box. <laughs> and it turns out that the old man found the box before me and he's gone missing. <laughs> <laughs> and like. 
I don't know why, but that like really like like resonated with me. It like harmonized with something like deep inside where I was like, oh shit, like I'm in a mystery. I, I want to figure this out. <laughs> yeah, it's, it starts you off as a police detective, right? And then you sort of fall down this supernatural rabbit hole. Yeah, it's cool because like it, it sort of hits all the elements that surround that fantasy, right? Like the first room uh, that you're in is like the in the museum, the like Egyptology lab or whatever which is like very 1800s england you know (laughs) occult uh thing and there's the witch's house and the templar church yeah and like you're talking about all these like kind of like really different places but they all fit within that um I almost want to say like sherlock holmes slash indiana jones like what did they call that like serials or something like that like yeah like serial fiction it's sort of that like pulpy adventure type pulp, thing that yeah. yes pulp yes pulp adventure that's kind of like what i was looking for you know you start like you said you're a police officer or a constable whatever they call themselves and you're in like the police office and you get a mysterious letter right a mysterious <laughs> letter and a special special pair of glasses that let you see occult writing everywhere which like i love 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 the mechanic of having like a secret world layer Mm -hmm. and we have a bunch of like runes written on the floor and i need to you know turn on my magic eyeglasses to see the runes and then put those runes in a specific order on this puzzle box over here also you know it sounds like these uh locations are so like what why are you even here but it does a really good job of kind of slowly layer by layer taking you down there and that's actually you know layer by layer you know we think of onions the famous shrek example right (laughs) but that's how i actually view this game i think it's actually really good to think of onions when thinking about the room vr because at a macro level you have the the onion which is the mystery right and with every layer you peel off that's like a new piece of parchment that you find in the level and the the macro thing the macro journey itself is an onion right that's getting you from like constable place to museum and then the museum going to like some sort of excavation site and that's somehow leading to like this different world witch's house and you know wherever else you go and then looking at like one step smaller in scale is like the individual rooms and this is what i love is that the individual rooms rather than what i expected having just one puzzle box they have a like at least two to three puzzle boxes even if it's like the very first level has like i want to say three puzzle boxes officially like maybe the safe is a puzzle box there's a literal puzzle box like in a office and then there is like this um dumb waiter area that is also a puzzle box in a way because well you know i'm loosely using the word box but like basically you have three puzzle terminals right like you're going to stand at three different locations yeah terminal is a a good description it's sort of like puzzle areas almost and there's multiple items in each that are going to thread back and forth between other points in the in the room exactly and that's where the freaking onion comes back you go to the terminals each terminal is its own little onion you peel a layer holy shit i found i found this key this key's actually gonna let me take a layer off this onion that's at a different puzzle terminal and like the way those interconnect just feels so good like every time there were a couple times where you know i got lost and stuff but like that's to be expected in these puzzle games right and 
thankfully they do have a hint system, although I did wish that it was a little bit better. Like, I felt like the hint system was very hard-coded in that, like, I was about 75% through the puzzle every time I needed a hint, and the first two hints were always from, like, just way, way earlier in the puzzle. It'd be like, oh, use your lenses to look at the wall. And I'm like, wait, no, I already did that. Like, that was, like, three onions ago. Like, can we get to, <laughs> can we get to the thing I'm at now? Um, so, like, that's... That that's like the only thing that I was like, oh, this could have been a little bit better in regards to like, I guess, user experience. But it was nice to to be like, oh, there's like these weird symbols. I wonder if these mean something. And then like at the end of the puzzle, you're like, oh, yep. OK, now I get to use the weird symbols. Yeah. In the level. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Some of those things would be like such red herrings for me. And I guess I just don't play enough puzzle games because, like, I'm not used to this, like, here's a piece of information presented, and you're not going to need it for the next, like, 30 to 45 minutes. Like, like, Mm -hmm. just disregard this, okay? You got a key, jiggle it into this hole, do this, like, interesting little mini game, what have you, and then, yeah, like, (laughs) when it's long exited your mind, you're then, like... What are, what's with these inscriptions on the sarcophagus? Oh, wait. And like, you come back to it. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of escape rooms in that way, where like every piece of evidence, it's like very clearly like, this is something that's going to be important. And it, it all sort of symbolically links. I guess that that taps into like my two big thoughts about the game, which is like, first, I think it was a good choice to have things be very binary and whether or not you can interact with them. It was like either this is 100% not important set dressing that you can't touch or this is an item that's clearly marked as an item that goes in your into your inventory or whatever and behaves very specially. The uh, something I wanted to bring up with the items is the inventory screen. I both like it and really wanted it to do a little bit more yeah i think the ui is pretty bad (laughs) yeah like it was so the grid based system with my items like i'm fine with that you know do whatever you got to do me me personally as always i'm going to want it super integrated into the vr so like if it was a backpack or something that i was grabbing off of myself and like you know getting getting my key items out of that that would be cooler but the thing that was actually like causing friction during my experience playing it was when the grid would present itself i would just reach my hand fully into the grid to try to grab the key and pull it out and like the game did not support that like the more Mm -hmm. immersive like oh there's my key yoink like no instead i had to from a distance like point my hand laser at the at the grid and then like press a button and it like warped to my hand right and for some reason the grid's really small oh yeah 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 (laughs) make any sense and the same issue actually with the hidden world magnifying lens or whatever Mm -hmm. where like you open up a menu and then you like do an interaction there rather than just like doing like a flip down motion next to the side of your head or something okay you know in lone echo how you tap the side of your head to turn on the flashlight yes or or another example is like um in i expect you to die and a couple of other games you like put in an earpiece at one point where you like literally grab like an earpiece and bring it up to your head and let go Right. And then, like, the audio changes, you can hear something in your ear. That's, like, a very uh, physical interaction that, that really, like, grounds parts of the world to your body. Mm-hmm. And so doing a similar thing where it's, like, you have spectacles on your head and you can just, like, flip them down with some sort of, like, little motion on the side of your headset, I feel like would be amazing for the fantasy 
but instead yes. you have to like press a button open a menu and then there's like a little toggle tab there that you yeah to i want to speak on that a little bit because i both i both i both see where you're coming from and i agree with you but i also like what they did like the fact that it was an old-timey like old-timey big light bulb camera almost and you had to like pull this side tab you know to open the shutter or whatever like that was cool but the fact that like it's always in this like floating menu like that that's not as cool so like right. i feel like a good middle ground would have been like hey these are equipable glasses like open up your inventory menu grab them put them on your mm. face yeah, and then boom but yeah i totally agree like that definitely was trying to it, it at least like served the VR interaction part a little bit in that, hey, you have a pull tab, right? You're not just clicking on the thing. You're actually grabbing and like pulling it down. I want to be like Nicolas Cage in uh, National Treasure. Yeah. <laughs> where he's like, oh, it appears to be some sort of ocular device or whatever. <laughs> and like he's fiddling with tabs but, uh, on his glasses. Like, I want well that. A hundred percent. Like, yeah. And I was getting like the, the big national treasure vibes in that like museum level. Yeah. Like that would be, that would be cool. And like, you know, since we're already speaking about the VR interactions, like I think that is kind of like the standing ovation point for this game, I suppose. Like I want to give it credit, but I also don't want to like, you know, I don't want to overhype anything. Right. So like some moments that made me go like whoa like this is this is actually really cool and fun it was like in the museum sarcophagus level when like you get this like long key tool and you have to put it in this box and then you turn on your magic lenses and you could see through the box and you're now turning the key and pulling it out and pushing it in to like navigate this sort of metal maze that you have like a hook in and you can't, you know, you can't move the hook around willy nilly. You have to sort of like guide it and, you know, hopefully not touch the sides. I didn't know if it penalized you for touching the sides, but I sort of assumed that in my head and was now doing this like almost like tense lock picking thing where I'm like, oh, I see the inner mechanisms and I'm, I'm pulling the, the pharaoh's like hook through the maze. And then like that, that was just a very simple like radial dial and like depth right mm -hmm. and i think the the room vr just does a really great job of kind of like taking those either simple interactions or simple con concepts and putting them into bigger cooler contexts yeah if anything i wish there'd been more of that like there were definitely key moments that were really really cool another one that stands out to me is where you like go well, we haven't talked about it yet, but there's a scale down mechanic where you can become tiny. Yes. The point where you go into a mechanism and you fiddle with it and then you pop back out and you continue fiddling with it. And like, that's such a cool moment. Yeah, there were a couple of other like amazing moments. The dollhouse that I, the, the, the dollhouse is the perfect example of that. Like there's one small chunk in the game where like you have to interact with a dollhouse as a normal sized human and then 
as you open up the dollhouse, you like have a, a piece that you're supposed to put in there, but you need to go tiny to go into the dollhouse to unlock the dollhouse, then go big so that you can open the dollhouse. And then as big person, as regular size human being, you put this little toy into the dollhouse and then you go small to interact with the toy. And I was like, holy shit, this must have been the vertical slice for this game because it's blowing <laughs> my fucking mind and it's combining everything that feels good about this game. Like, yeah. I love the scale down stuff in this game. I really, you know, this ain't the end of the the episode or whatever, but I want to see a sequel to The Room VR. Like, that cannot come soon enough for me. I need another game to pay attention to these VR interactions and do this cool interplay of different, like, really VR ideas of, like, yeah, scale tying that into the interactions, tying that into the the whole onion back and forth. That moment blew me away, the dollhouse. So I just had to gush about it a little bit. Yeah, I would say that's like by far the most positive part of the game, as well as the well-executed narrative and, and setting and tone and that kind of stuff. But I just wish those moments had come more frequently. Same. There was a lot, at least for me, there was a lot of this game that was like just wandering around between different areas, like being like, what? do i do next which felt very mist like uh you know sort of these strange environments and you're just walking around being like what is the next part of the puzzle <laughs> um and just that that was not doing it for me like it didn't, wasn't really using vr and then also a fair number of the interactions were just take a thing from your inventory and slot it into the right area yeah. which was the least satisfying interaction out of everything because it's just like it's not very tactile it's very finicky where like you can just sort of like brute force it you're like does this slot into this nope okay does this slot into this uh and that was very yeah. unsatisfying so i i kept wishing that it was just like richer the whole game had like more of those really cool puzzles with the the tactile interactions which is what the room the mobile games are about so it's a little bit surprising that they didn't go 100% in on that. Yeah, and if I could tie this a little loosely to our concept of tie-dye, when I would get into those long stretches of just trying to brute force or feel around the room to see like what will respond to me and or the equipment I have, that brought the crashing realization of like how tired I was, honestly. Mm -hmm. like I, I feel like I actively got super tired almost tired enough to just like take off the headset but the thing is is i would know that i'm like so close to finishing the level i'm like i do not want to jump into this room mid-progress which actually we should talk about in a bit because that might be like a larger problem for the game but like those those sequences where i actually like i know what's going on i'm gonna do the puzzles and stuff like i'm super engrossed and not being too phased by like the hmd against my face however hot it's it's getting not feeling too fatigued by like me standing or sitting for too long but then once it gets to that point where like i don't know what to do for longer than a minute it just becomes this like exponential increase of like discomfort and yeah. tiredness yeah you're totally right i hadn't really called that out in my mind but you're right it's like the moment you're just standing around and you're not mentally engaged with like this mechanism or a specific sequence of actions you can plan out in your head then you're just like oh i'm just standing here doing nothing 
And additionally, I guess, like, you have to blow up some of your immersion at that point because you're like, oh, right, this is not a real space. This is a space where one thing is explicitly linked to another, and I just have to find that link. And so suddenly you're like, okay, this is this doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. And you're turning things, you're turning it from an environment into like either an item that matters or an item that doesn't matter. Yeah, like uh, in a way it turns it turns like the onion into one of those like kids toys that have like the cutout shapes and you're trying to put the square block into the circle hole. Yeah. And you're just like, why? Why? You gave me this. <laughs> yeah. That that's the definitely the worst part of the game is when it turns into just a square block, square hole, star block, star hole p- puzzle. Yeah, there were a lot of points where it's like I just need to find the star block or I need to find the star hole. And the hint system is there, like we brought it up before and like in those moments where we're like, "Oh, this is like tiring and I don't want to quit the level, like I'm very close to the end." For me personally, I just wanted to like, okay, hint, 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 until like I actually got the hint I needed, but they put a timer <laughs> on the next hint. So like even worse on top of me being like lost, tired, realizing that I've been playing for a fair bit, like I am now waiting. I am staring at this like decaying circular timer for like the answer to the thing I've been trying to figure out for the past like 20 minutes or whatever. And that feels like a little patronizing when you're like, Hey guys, I really did my due. I did my due diligence here. Like I am at a freaking loss. Like, please just give me the hint I need. And that's, I guess why I brought up earlier that like, I wish it was more aware of like where I was in the sequence of events Mm -hmm. because then I wouldn't have had to watch these timers and wait for the next hint. I don't know. Thinking back to how the room was on mobile, mm-hmm. like that game was very much, at least when I, in the way that I played it, it was very much about just like trying to find the next thing that's interactable. You're just like tapping around. You're like, does this move? Does this move? Does this move? No, no. Okay. But like, it was still fun to like fumble through that. Um, and I wonder if like just that general idea of a puzzle game that's fairly linear, but it's about trying to find out what the next mechanism is maybe just like isn't an excellent fit for vr Hmm. because like i don't know it seems like if you're thinking about a vr puzzle game it should either be about yeah manipulating these mechanisms in your hand where you have a clear idea of what you can do but you're trying to fiddle around with it to like get the right sequence or something or it's about observing and manipulating the environment right like i i think back to uh the end of the gallery episode two where you like you can like levitate stuff right you have that ability and like you're locking in stones into place in this room and then you like go up to a balcony and realize you can use your levitation power to rotate the entire chamber and you use that to solve the the puzzle like that's very fulfilling in vr because you're in the space and suddenly you get a new perspective on you're like oh i can rotate the whole chamber but when it's just oh i have this medallion with this symbol i need to like hold it near something that matches it it just doesn't it's like i I don't need to be in vr for this and that's where you know uh, 
suddenly I'm tired, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I, I think I could take two, I think I could take two e examples and kind of like illustrate what you're talking about. Like with the sarcophagus level, there's like the point where you get the, I think it's like the eagle, the lion and some other statuette, right? And you got to put it in the sarcophagus and you don't know what the combination is. You need to, you need to look to your left and then see the book that's just laying there and the page that's open tells you like what sequence you have to put the the things in if you don't want to look at the book like me initially then you're just like i don't know you know that you know that game where like you have three cups and they put a little pearl on their one cup and you're like switching them around like that's what i was mm -hmm. doing with the statues on the sarcophagus yep. <laughs> just completely disrespecting this thing like does it go here does it go here does it go here um that could be done that could be done in a flat screen game, right? If it was a flat mm -hmm. screen first person game, all you have to do is like turn your camera. Oh, there's my hint. Okay. Now I'm going to like apply the things right. But something that is way more, uh, VR in this game, I guess, is the, the piano, I think is probably the biggest and best example for what you were talking about, where mm. again, you have this interplay between going small, going big, but now you're like, you're manipulating, uh, the organ pipes right you had to like rotate this wheel of organ pipes in your in your human form so that in the tiny form the organ pipes you could traverse them and go to different parts of the organ to grab key items or interact with things that would like progress you and i really loved that part that part was like oh i am manipulating my environment through like my scale and it's not necessarily like i am manipulating the entire church that that organ sits mm -hmm. in of course but it is enough of affecting an environment that you do actually go into that it feels meaningful yeah so something i wanted to highlight real quick is the way i guess the story was sort of pre not presented but the way the story was activated like you would get these pieces of paper that had a weird like lovecraftian green shimmer to it and when you turned on your special lenses it had a hole and you then would have to find this floating rune in the room and like focus on it through the hole in the paper and i thought that was pretty cool just you know, it's like, okay, real world, like the, the magical world and, you know, these objects changing in your hand right before you. And then on top of that, you are doing this sort of like situational presence, right? Uh, there was like a small detail where I can't tell if it was flies or like smoke, but debris would go flying in the direction of the rune. So like, even if you didn't know where to look, you got this subtle cue of like, oh, wind is flowing in a certain direction. Like maybe I should look in that direction and then boom, like there's the rune. And you would like stare through it and then the paper like dissolves and suddenly a ghost appears. And I just, I like, I just kind of liked that. Like I wouldn't want an entire game built around that. But when we're talking about the interstitial things that happen between the comic book panels, like that's a fun little activity that also like helps to give the player context to what is happening. And I guess it's also a, a fairly good way to have a player focus on your cutscene before it begins. Right. Hmm. Yeah, we were talking about in Lone Echo one, how, you know, many of the cinematics, it didn't really feel like there was any perfect spot for you to sit down and like watch it from. And granted, it's VR, right? Like, yeah, you're it's VR, you're supposed to be anywhere. But like, 
I still feel like if you're trying to present a story and or some sort of cinematic vision, like there should be a kind of presentation element to it, right? Like if, if you have events going on, even on a stage play, right? Stage play has very clear framing. And you want to have that framing for players within VR, because in a live stage show, we don't just allow the player to walk up on the stage and walk around and see the action from every viewing angle. And that's for the specific reason that we can like we can tailor what's being presented. And I don't want to limit VR players. You know, uh, VR for me is all about like freedom and, and stuff, but I want the care to go into like, what, what's the best way to show this? Right. And that will probably blow up into a bigger conversation for another time. But I just thought it was kind of cool how, how that sort of primes you for the cutscene and also just felt like a really neat, Again, tonally correct, like it's eerie, but also the mystery is there. So you want to like find out more and you're looking through these papers. Yeah, it's a super good note about the the visual effects and, and the way of gating those cinematics. This is a super small note because we're talking about the paper. The paper is an interesting case study. When you grab it and you move it back and forth while you're holding it, it actually waves back and forth. Mm-hmm has a little bit of like interaction that's really cool but also you can't snatch the paper out of midair as it's doing its fly-in animation it like magically appears and floats down to a rest but you yep. can't pick it up before it fully comes to a rest and that was very jarring for me like oh i should be able to grab this thing because it's here and i think that was that's like an interesting toy example of how you know immersion and presence it's like very make or break on like little details potentially like failing to adhere to a user expectation can be disproportionately jarring sometimes and to tie that back into what was just said i think that is a lack of freedom right the player does not have the freedom to engage with the paper until the play quote unquote is done the play being the little cinematic animatic where like the paper flies in and then rests casually on the desk in front of you like i think i did the same thing to be honest because i, I don't it, it just is like we've all done it like yeah that's what you <laughs> if do you've gone the... through, if you've gone through grade school at any point and like dropped a binder of papers or seen a paper like falling down toward you like yeah you you try to catch it out of the air i don't know we're kind of like cats that way with like cats with string or something <laughs> where it's just like ooh, flappy paper i must grab <laughs> and unfortunately the game betrays our expectation of freedom because it says no even though you can reach out and like do the grab button we will not acknowledge that that is being done Right. And that philosophy works okay for a lot of the game because, you know, I mentioned this previously, but it's important that it says, no, you can't interact with stuff that's not important at all. Because otherwise you're going to get confused by all these, you know, set dressing red herrings. So, like, it's okay that the game has that sort of like, uh, like, I'll tell you when you can interact with something sort of attitude for the most part. But this is like a very special case where. Like, there's no reason not to do that. Just because it's it's something we're presenting to you that's cool doesn't mean the player shouldn't be able to interrupt it, right? Absolutely. Like, we take an example from, like, many open world games, maybe even, maybe even more linear games from, like, non-VR space. Like, there is often a VO interrupt system, right? Because they know that they're going to have to 
give story to the player let's say we're playing like grand theft auto i'm driving down vice city or whatever and you know someone's telling me like oh yeah you know tommy stole my cocaine and then you know we're gonna have to like fix this and that and ultimately it's gonna get and then all of a sudden i like crash into somebody right and my gameplay then is affecting the vo because it would feel and sound weird if the guy kept talking after i hit somebody so instead he's like oh jesus christ man so anyway, I'm thinking we're going to finish that <laughs> thing with that guy. <laughs> and it comes out to like, you know, these sometimes very funny moments. But uh, it is, it's again, like respecting that player freedom, right? And I, right. and we could call it player agency is probably the, the bigger buzzword. But uh, yeah, just like the more freedom a player has and, you know, put a little asterisk on it because nothing is absolute, but the more freedom a player has, the more engrossed they can become. Sure. I It might actually be good to draw that line between agency and freedom. Because I, I think about, say, uh, Walking Dead Saints and Sinners, where you mm -hmm. can shoot literally every NPC. Yeah. Like, oh, this is an st important story character? Nope. Blam. And because you can do that, you're making a choice not to do that when you're listening to them and so it's you know asking the player to or i guess giving the player the freedom to totally disregard the game makes it a conscious choice to regard the game and engage with it which makes you just more invested by default right like to some extent you don't want to hear like oh how can you run that guy over like you want them to finish their vo because you don't mm -hmm. want to be you don't want to be stuck in the same conversation for like too long we all know this as players we appreciate story but damn it do not <laughs> do not dilly dally <laughs> really cool game though like again i i want to get another game that's like really focusing on these vr interactions and tying them together with that great tone and like it doesn't have to be a mystery but i guess the mystery just lines up really well with the with the whole puzzle game philosophy right because like you're slowly trying to reveal information and piece together that information to come to a solution but i'm just saying like you know give me these interactions again and give me like the the small enough threads that i need to pull through right because this isn't a lone echo however many bundles of money story with big cutscene acting like it's mostly told in you know written text uh and maybe there are some voiceover sections and the acting parts are you know just one person recorded for a couple of uh, moments and honestly i wouldn't be surprised if you know they only had like a day of recording with like most of these people or something like that yeah anywho if you haven't tried it yet go and try the room vr a dark matter i believe is the uh subtitle of it it's very cool definitely deserves some love and i think you know if you try it out you'll have a good time so like go go to this head mounted destination Hey there, if you liked this episode of Head Mounted Destinations, the best thing you can do is share it with a friend. Word of mouth really helps us out. You can listen to the show on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or watch it on YouTube, where we put gameplay footage alongside some of the points we're making throughout the episode. If you'd like to discuss this episode or suggest future topics, visit our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash headmountedpodcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you at the next Head Mounted Destination.